podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Friday the 13th. Don't be scared. It'll all be okay. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at LibertyShield.com. Use my code EPLVPN at checkout to get 20% off. First things first, I think it's important even though I can't abide international football, I think it's important to start by acknowledging a great achievement last night, uh, qualification for the Euro 2020 in 21 competition. I mean, I don't know that any of us saw this team go, uh, getting there, but I know we're all delighted. So congratulations, North Macedonia. Uh, great, great victory for yourselves. Um, and of course, Scotland as well. Uh, no, seriously, fantastic to see Scotland get through. Fantastic to see Andy Robertson and John McGinn and, and those lads put in such good performances and have their hard work pay off. Um, here's looking forward to them kicking England up in the air uh, next summer. Right. Uh, so, a Twitter follower, TonyMA91, set me a wee task for today. Nice of him, knowing that there's not a whole bunch to talk about. He sent me a wee task. So he said, random pod idea. Take 20 Premier League winners since the 2000, since 2000 and build a team with one player from each plus manager and assistant manager. So an 18-man squad can't use more than one from each team. So what I've taken that to mean is starting 2000-2001 as the first season of, you know, the century. And then one player per year from the, the title winners. So, you know, you had teams, obviously, that won multiple titles, but you get one from each season. So, starting off in 2000, 2001, I thought, I best get my manager. So, I've gone with Ferguson. Obviously, his track record is exceptional. 13 Premier League titles. One of the all-time greats. Nice to fill that void. So Alex Ferguson will be the manager. 2001-2002, Arsenal won the league. We've gone with Patrick Vieira from that year. 02-03, uh, I've gone with Roy Keane. I had to pick Roy Keane. Everybody knew I was picking Roy Keane. 03-04, I've gone with Thierry Henry. I thought he was just sensational as a, as a player. Week after week, and at that point, unquestionably the best player in the Premier League. 0405, Chelsea win the league under Mourinho. Uh, I've gone with Ricardo Carvalho, sensational central defender. Uh, 0506, I've picked Michael Essien. 0607, United, the first of three titles. Uh, so I've gone for Cristiano Ronaldo. 07-08, Nemanja Vidic. 08-09, Edwin van der Sar. 
in 2010, Chelsea win the title under Carlo Ancelotti. I've gone for Ashley Cole. In 2011, United win it, and I've taken a little bit of a liberty and picked a player based on just my own personal enjoyment of watching him play, Dimitar Berbatov. 2012 is City's first title of this era. Uh, and who else to pick? Only the man who, who won it for them, Sergio Aguero. 2013, gone for David De Gea. United's last title under Ferguson, their last title to date. Uh, 2014, I've gone with David Silva. 2015, Chelsea under a returned Mourinho. Gone for Cesar Aspilicueta. 2016, I've gone for N'Golo Kante at Leicester. The, obviously, the biggest surprise Premier League title winners we've ever had. Uh, 2017, Chelsea under Conte. I've gone for Eden Hazard. 2018, Manchester City under Pep. I've gone for Kevin De Bruyne. So 2019, I realized I need an assistant manager. And who better to go with than Brian Kidd? Assistant manager to Alex Ferguson from 91 to 98. Won a bunch of titles then. And he's been an assistant manager at Manchester City since 2009. So he's been part of each of their Premier League titles under Mancini, Pellegrini, and um, and Guardiola. So I, I think Brian Kidd is the, the perfect choice. And then in 2020, obviously, Liverpool win the league. And I've gone with Virgil van Dijk um, because... Uh, I think he's the best player in that team. So I've got Ferguson as manager and Brian Kidd as his assistant. My starting goalkeeper, I've gone with Edwin van der Sar. Aspi Laqueta at right back. Ashley Cole at left back. Ricardo Carvalho and Virgil as my centre backs. I'm playing 4 4 2 because it's Fergie. So I've gone with Kevin De Bruyne on the right wing, Cristiano Ronaldo on the left wing, Keenan Vieira in central midfield. And up front, I've got Aguero and Thierry Henry. So I'm thinking my starting 11 is pretty special. And then when Keenan Vieira get tired after 60, and when you're already exhausted having had to battle with them, I bring on N'Golo Kante and Essien as my backup midfielders. Uh, I've got Vidic as my backup centre-back. De Gea as the backup goalkeeper. Hazard as the backup winger. David Silva to play wherever he wants. And um, Dimitar Berbatov to sit beside me in the stands and just talk utter nonsense. He'll probably chain smoke. You know, you'd imagine that's what he does. Sip on a sherry in a smoking jacket, some slippers. So that's what I've got. If you want to do an alternative one, tweet me at Two Footed Pod and um, I'll tell you why you're wrong. Moving on then. Um, news has come out that Adama Traore and Wolves are at a bit of a standoff. 
Uh, apparently, he has agreed in principle to a new contract, but yet has yet to sign it. I would imagine this has something to do with the fact that he hasn't really been getting enough playtime. He has been sitting on the bench watching lesser players and then getting 15 here, 20 there. I'd imagine he wants to start. I'd imagine that's where his annoyance comes from, that he feels he should be starting for this Wolves team. And you have to agree that he's right. I mean, it's not like they're playing exciting, expansive football, that they're blowing teams away. It, they are quite turged at the moment. They're they're winning games, but they're not they're not playing very well. Now he does still have two years after this season on his contract. So you'd imagine that's in part to give him a pay rise for past performance, but also to protect his value. Because come the summer, you could see him wanting out, wanting to move on. He's been there now quite a while, uh, joined Wolves in 2018. So, you know, this is his third season. And remember, he came through at, at Barca, went to Villa, didn't work because of Tim Sherwood been, well, being Tim Sherwood. Drops down to, to Middlesbrough for two years, joins Wolves, and he, he's just been on this path upwards. He's been developing so well over the last kind of three and a half, four years that I think he has real ambition to get himself back to maybe not a Barcelona, but certainly a club in the next tier down. He's also recently broken into the Spanish squad. He will want to keep his place in said squad. So to do that, he needs to be playing regularly. And to really make a case to be starting, he probably needs to be playing regularly in a top team. So I would look at Adama's situation and say he's probably got ambitions that outgrow Wolves. And if they're not going to give him the playing time that he needs, I think he's going to be off quite soon. I think next summer he leaves. There will be offers transfer market should go back to something more akin to normal next year as clubs are less put off by the pandemic because they'll understand more about you know their finances what the future holds etc etc by then we by the looks of things will have a vaccine for COVID-19 so we could start to see things go back to normal fans in the stands etc etc so I think there'll, there'll be There'll be a number of clubs interested in Adama. Especially if he could add goals to his game. I mean, that's the one knock you'd have on him. He's only got 22 career goals. It's about 1 in 11. 1 every 11 games. And 8 of them came in the, the second division in Spain for Barca B. 5 in the championship for, um, for Middlesbrough. So... At the Premier League level, you've only got eight goals. You know, nine high-level goals if you include his goal in the in the Copa del Rey in his career. That needs to be improved upon. But last season we saw a massive uptick in his chance creation and his assists, things like that. So he's definitely trending in the right way. 
Bur- uh, Wolves just need to get him in the team. And if they don't, they probably need to get ready to sell him. Um, other news, Chelsea are planning another bid for West Ham and England midfielder Declan Rice in January. Apparently, Chelsea will have to sell players to buy. I'd imagine that's fair, you know, given the outlay in the summer. They spent $250 million ish in the summer. So it is fair to say that they would have to sell. Now, the question would be, who are they going to sell? Because anyone of real value is surely already in Frank's plans. So is he going to sell someone that he wants, that he uses, or is it someone that's kind of pushed to one side? Because a lot of the players that Frank doesn't see as part of his plans are out on loan. Like, you know, you look at the likes of Michi Batshuayi, you'd imagine he's not part of the plans. Ross Barkley, uh, Bakayoko, Victor Moses, but those guys are already gone on loan for the season. So who's in that squad that they could sell? Now, the obvious ones would be probably Antonio Rudiger, who's not really part of the picture. Uh, Andreas Christensen. Jorginho, maybe. But you look through the rest of the group, and that is pretty much it. He's not going to sell Emerson. That could be the other one. So Emerson... Jorginho, Christensen, and, and Antonio Rudiger. They're the four I would look at and say, that's who he sells. But the problem is, if you sell if you sell Christensen and Rudiger, you're only, got, you're only left with three centre-backs. Silva, who's, you know, 36. Mendy, or not Mendy, Zuma, who is error-prone, a little bit erratic, and Tamori, who's very young, very inexperienced. So you can only really sell one of those centre-backs. Christensen would seem like the more obvious choice to sell because there's more recent track record of Rudiger doing very well at Chelsea. Admittedly, not under Lampard. It was under Sarri, but Christensen would be the more obvious one to sell. I'm not sure who's given you a, a whole bag of money for Emerson. I'm not sure who's given you a whole bag of money for any of them, to be totally honest. Jorginho will definitely have suitors. There will be clubs, especially in Italy, that would be very interested in him. But who's going to have 30, 35 million to spend in January? Christensen, you might have to take 20 million. So even selling those players, I'm not sure you get to the figure that you want, but there's there is just four players in that squad. Um that I think he sorry, there are five players in the squad that I think he would reasonably sell. Rudiger, Christensen, Jorginho, and Emerson. The fifth would be Keppa. But I don't know. I don't see anybody paying money for Keppa. Not at this point. I think Keppa probably needs to go on loan for like two years. Remember, he signed a seven-year contract. A seven-year contract. That's got to rank among the worst business decisions that anyone has ever made. They paid a world record fee for him, 72 million. He's on about 150 grand a week. 
seven and a half million a year, seven year contract. So you're talking over fifty million on the contract. Plus that doesn't include appearance bonuses, win bonuses, clean sheet bonuses. He's won some trophies. He's he's probably like that the value of that contract realistically is probably closer to seventy or eighty million over the lifetime of it. And that's on top of the $72 million they paid for him, the signing bonus they gave him, uh, the agent fees they paid. It, just a ridiculous outlay. Like, And they're not going to see back a fraction of it. But his contract runs till 2025. So in theory, you could, you know, in January, maybe loan him for 18 months somewhere and hope that he rebounds and finds his best form because at that point he's still got three years left on his deal so you might be able to get half your money back because half the money is probably what he was worth when you signed him he probably was a 35 million pound goalkeeper he certainly wasn't a 72 million pound goalkeeper as for Declan Rice I don't know that he's the most ideal fit in how Chelsea play there has been a lot of talk that what they actually want him for is to move him to centre-back. And I suppose while Thiago Silva is there for the couple of years, you could have Silva mentor him and teach him the ways. That would probably be the most beneficial way to get a lot of good things out of Thiago Silva's time at the club. So that could make sense, you know, and you'd have your kind of transition from your current First 11 captain with your Silva. Aspilicueta is the club captain, as far as I can remember. But um, Silva could, yeah, Silva could definitely be the one to pass the torch to to Declan Rice. Uh, Manchester United have made a formal bid to Cristiano Ronaldo's agent in an attempt to sign the striker from Juventus. The Serie A champions are willing to let him go if they do not win the Champions League. I think Juventus should let him go. Nothing against him. But their finances are an absolute mess. They went in a really bizarre direction to try and win the Champions League, spending over $100 million on a guy who I think was 34 at the time, uh, which was just so strange. Um, and he's he's on the better part of $100 million a year. So for Juventus, if they can get money, and been off that contract, they absolutely should do it. For United, though, I mean, it, it's it, it just give it up, like just give it up with Cristiano Ronaldo. He left over ten years ago. You behave like he's gone on loan somewhere. Allegedly, he has no interest in leaving Juve and plans to see out his contract. Which is fair. I mean, nobody's going to walk away from that type of money, in truth. And he's pretty much guaranteed to win Serie A every year. Though this year it looks a little bit closer. Uh, Inter Milan will try and sign Chelsea and France striker Olivier Giroud in the January transfer window. Uh, it makes sense from the fact that he's 34 and they love to sign old players because that's what Conte does. He would, he would be going there in a squad capacity, though. He wouldn't be going there to start. And you know, other than the fact he get to live in Milan, 
which I don't know if it's an upgrade from London. Why would he do that? I mean, to go from sitting on the bench behind Tammy Abraham to sitting on the bench behind Romelu Lukaku. I don't know why he would do that. I think Giroud needs to go somewhere and start because, you know, most of his time at Arsenal, most of his time at Chelsea, he's been kind of a squad role. And he's too good for that. He really, really is. Uh, Liverpool are considering a move for Netherlands and former Watford defender Daryl Yanmat a short-term cover to ease the defence crisis. No, they're not. Let's just be clear. They absolutely are not considering doing that. The Premier League champions also have Deot Upamecano of RB Leipzig at the top of their list of further reinforcements. Uh, I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that his teammate... Ibrahim Kanate is actually top of the list. But I would imagine Upa Meccano is high on the list. But Kanate is, is meant to be top of the list, according to people who know these things. Uh, Arsenal have been handed a boost in their attempts to sign RB Salzburg midfielder Dominic Sazbalaya after his agent denied he was moving to RB Leipzig. Uh, he is a tremendous player, and he scored a great goal to send, uh, send Hungary to the Euros, he'd be a great signing for any club. Um, be a weird fit at Arsenal in the current shape, that 3-4-3. There isn't really a natural spot for him there. You could see him playing in a 4-3-3 as, an, as a number eight, but not in not in the 3-4-3. The and in the 4-3-3, it would be him and Thomas, and you'd need to sign one more. And it couldn't be Baki Osaka. It would need to be someone who sort of does the in-between work. Because you'd have your holding midfielder and Thomas, your attacking midfielder and Dominic. You'd need a central midfielder who can kind of link both and be that that shuttler. So it, it would be an odd one for Arsenal. But he's a great player, so regardless. Um... Sporting Lisbon have increased the release clause of left-back Nuno Mendes from €45 million Euros to €70 million. Euros. He is believed to be a target of Manchester United. Manchester United just spent money on a new left-back in the summer. If they're still looking for a left-back, then they just they don't know what they're doing. Like They just don't know what they're doing. You just bought yourself a left-back. You've got a ton of other uh, issues that you need to solve. Centre-back, holding midfield. If you're going to play wing-backs, you need a new right wing-back. You've got a lot of needs. Left back is not one of them. You've got Shaw, you've got uh, Williams, and that's behind Alex Tellers. So, nonsense. Besiktas would be interested in re-signing Cheng Tusen from Everton. The 29-year-old spent four years there before joining the Toffees. I'm sure he'd be willing to go back as well because um, he's not getting, you know, he's not going to start for Everton. And... uh, he wants to keep his place in the national team, so makes sense. Uh, West Brom boss Slavin Bilic's future remains in doubt, with the club still winless in the Premier League. And Charlton's Lee Bowyer is among the names in the frame to replace him. Let me just start by saying Lee Bowyer has done a really good job at Charlton. He should not be in any way in the frame for a Premier League job at this point. He is doing a great job at Charlton. 
But let's see how he develops over the next couple of years as a manager. Um, understandable that Bilic has has doubt over his future at the club. No question. Zero wins from eight games. But, you know, the three at least maybe give him a little bit of breathing room. He's doing better than Burnley. He's doing better than Sheffield United. If he'd won that game over Fulham, I, I think that would have been game over for Parker and given him the breathing room he needs. I still think Scott Parker's the first one to go. Um, but yeah, I, I can I can definitely see a scenario in which Billich is is gone by Christmas, maybe, which is harsh given the great job he did to bring them up. But it is just the the way this league works. Real Madrid will ask their players to take a further wage cut because of the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, which is absolutely fair until you consider that they're spending ridiculous amounts of money remodeling the stadium and have, without doubt, major plans to sign Kylian Mbappe next summer. This is just because they don't want to eat into their Mbappe fund. They made massive profit in the summer. Massive, massive profit in the summer from player sales. A portion of that should have been put towards paying the players' wages. Players should not agree to that. And finally, Denmark and former Tottenham midfielder Christian Eriksen has said that his current situation at Inter Milan is not what I dreamt of. And I I have a little bit of a hard time feeling sorry for Christian Eriksen, who ran down his contract at Spurs and then, you know, pushed through that move to Inter Milan, which. Seemed like a weird move at the time. For Spurs, it was just a a way of getting in some money for a player they were set to lose on a free. But for him, it seemed weird that he agreed to it. Rather than just stay at Spurs, see out his days on his contract, and then, you know, go wherever he wanted on a free, he kind of took that opportunity away from himself. A simple look through the history of Antonio Conte would have said, there isn't really a spot in his team for you. Like Christian Eriksen is a very, very good footballer. He's a number 10. He can play as a number eight in the midfield three, but he is a number 10. Antonio Conte doesn't like number 10s. Antonio Conte's playmaker sits deep behind the line of four in midfield. That three, one, four, two, that's his bread and butter. And there was no there was no place in that team for Christian Eriksen unless he was going to do an Andrea Pirlo type conversion at this point in his career and become a deep lying playmaker. There was just no place in that team for him. So it never really made sense that they signed him. Now it may be that Inter signed him with the thought of well, we bring him in for I think it was like fifteen million. And even if it doesn't work out, we'll sell them for 30 in you know, six months, 12 months, whatever. And they probably will. I mean, they will get good money for him. There'll be a lot of clubs will queue up to sign Christian Eriksen. He is an exceptional footballer. Manchester United, if they hadn't signed Donny van de Beek, they could have gone and signed him. Because you could fit him and Bruno in the same team. 
you would have to stick with the diamond and you would still have to buy that holding midfielder. But that could have been made work. They probably got him for cheaper than they paid for Donny van de Beek as well. Spurs won't want him back. I don't imagine. Maybe they would. Maybe they would. Whether he'd be willing to go back there, I don't know. It might be a little bit embarrassing for him. Um, but there's a, you know, there's definitely going to be a bunch of clubs around Europe that would have a big interest in Christian Eriksen. You could see him at PSG. You could definitely see him at PSG. What the fee will be, I have no idea. But yeah, I have no real sympathy for him. He made his bed. He has to lie in it now. And uh, they'll figure it out. Uh, and that's it. That is my show for today. It is a short one, I know, but it is Friday, so I'll let you get about your business. Uh, thank you, as always, to producer Guy Drinkle. Thank you to Fox Haunt for our title music. Thank you to you for your continued support and continue to listen to me ramble inanely about all things Premier League related or, you know, scarcely Premier League related. Uh, I will see you Monday. Have a safe weekend. Peace. Podcast Network.